Good morning. It is so good to see you. Let me just spend a minute looking at you here for a second. I'm gone for one week and it feels like forever. I know, I know Troy is about to go to sleep, but we're not. <laughs> Thank you, Troy and the choir and the musician and everyone for always and every Sunday leading us in this great way. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It really is good to be here, and we are happy to invite those of you also who are following online uh, to participate in the real way. Uh, this, this, as we just saw here, this Sunday will begin a, a new series, and we'll run it uh, all the way to Easter. And I hope you'll invite friends and, and see that we call it For Life. And if you reflect on that just for a second, uh, that little phrase, uh, for life, can mean two things. Well, it can probably mean more than that. But you can either say for the sake of life or for the duration of life. And that's kind of the duality. I, I want to play on that. And, and every time you see that and you saw a list, thank you also, Rob, for making this wonderful um, sermon bumper or what is that what that's called you all know better than me right so uh uh, that's great intro uh with this right here so see we'll go through a whole series of issues that relate to our life in so many ways right so being young for life for the sake of life next sunday and and home for life for the sake of life for the duration uh, of life and so it is with with all these things today We want to talk about a testimony for life. And if you have your Bibles, if you turn to 1 John, it's kind of toward the end. If you get all the way to Revelation, you go back a little bit and you get to 1 John. Um, Let me say a word of prayer and just ask you, Lord, that you will visit with us in strong ways here. And then those who are listening in or watching and participating uh, via technology at this moment, wherever they are, would you sweep this place with the presence of your spirit? May we know when we leave this morning that we have been in the presence of God. Our lives have been touched, moved, changed indeed by your power and your Holy Spirit. We ask all of this in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, uh, some very well-known verses here. For those who read the Bible, most of you have read uh, these verses several times. It's John that, that addresses the church and he says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed. And we have seen it and we testified and declared to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And then if you turn to 
the book of Acts, um, and you don't have to do that. Let me just read that. Most of you know that by heart probably also, and if you don't, you can look it up later on, chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power. Jesus, the resurrected Lord, speaks to the church. When the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses, my testifiers, if you will, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and until the ends of the earth. You know, we don't use that word much anymore, do we? The word testimony. It's kind of getting out of vogue, right? It's an old-fashioned word, witness testimony. Outside of a courtroom, it's just not a word we use much anymore. Uh, sometimes, maybe in, in, in Christian circles, but even there, we kind of have let go of that, right? We, if we use any words that are similar to that nowadays, we, we, we talk about the journey. Talk to me about your journey. And, and there's a lot of good stuff to be said about that. I'm not going to down that. The journey, though, doesn't necessarily have to say anything about Christian commitment uh, as such. But the word testimony or witness is a very, very strong word. In fact, uh, if you think about it for just a little bit, you'll see some things come out that, that speaks to how that term itself talk to us about something that has happened. It, it is a word in the courtroom, of course, that speaks to truth, to proof, if you will, to evidence. You call in a witness to give evidence. Either someone who has also been there, seen the event, and who can speak to that, or an expert wit- witness that can, that can say things uh, in a broader way about the whole issue, or, or someone who can speak to a character of, of the accused, or something like that. It is a way of adding evidence and proof. The Latin word, testis, from where we get that word, testimony, uh, means someone who is standing by, or uh, literally a third person standing by, if you will. And it speaks to this reality that there's someone else who has had that experience and that can speak to the issue at hand. Now, when we turn to Scripture and the word that we have translated with the word witness or testifier or testimony, that word is the word martus, where we get the word martyr from. Very strong word. We, we know that, and it is as if to say that in that very reality where we speak about what we have experienced in our relationship with Jesus Christ, When we give the message about that, we're giving a message that when we have to explain what is this, we find the strongest word that there is almost to express that. And that word is that word martyr. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you to read it like that, you will be my martyrs. That's the word right there, my testifiers or my witnesses. There's something that has such great significance, that carries such weight, that has such life-transforming quality, that if you're going to explain it, there's only one word that really works. And that's that word, martyrs. 
Now, one said at one time that, you know, only that which is worth dying for is also really worth living for. So a Christian testimony is a message that you have found something that has such depth, such high quality, such significance, that not only is it worth dying for, it is worth living for. I had to ask myself when I looked at this text and other texts and, and, and when I was trying to plan this whole series, what am I going to do with this, uh, this text right here? I had to ask myself, the life or the witness, let's put it that way, the testimony that my life brings in words and in deeds, does that carry a message that something is going on in my life that is so important? So significant that it is worth not only dying for, but living for. Think about this just, just for a moment. You have found something. Something that is not just good. And not just good for you. But something that speaks to the very truth about life itself, not just for you, but for everyone. And you know it in your gut that this is the truth, and therefore you cannot stop talking about it. A Christian testimony. And I want to deal with that in three different ways this morning because the Christian testimony is directed toward God. It's directed toward the church, and it's directed toward the world. So let's talk about this for a second. First, it's, it's directed toward God. After someone has met uh, God and received uh, his offer of salvation and promised to live with him as Lord, life has a new direction. There's a new narrative upon which We live our lives, yes? All the other things that we used to kind of go to to make decisions, the other kind of narratives that informed our decision-making and all our lives, that put to to the side. Now there's a story, a new narrative that gives new identity. It's a narrative that we know it begins in Genesis and ends in Revelation. It's the story of God, and it's that story upon which now our lives find Direction. And, and that's where you look at this, right? And, and so to be a Christian means that Jesus Christ and His Word is what determines the direction for our whole existence. That, that's kind of how, how this is turned when you start looking at it, right? And so because of that, because of that, Bible reading and prayer is not an add-on. It's not like salt on an egg, right? It, that's good. It's not necessary, right? But this here becomes necessary. Prayer and Bible study, reading God's Word becomes necessary because that becomes the daily necessary conversation with God that we need to have insight into His will so that we can follow it and know who He is and how His presence in our lives affect 
everything. The Christian testimony is a testimony directed toward God. And the Christian testimony is a testimony that recognizes the truth of that. That we must understand who he is and he sees this whole thing. And in another way of saying it, maybe I can say it like this, that in a nutshell, all our lives as a Christian is an expression of worship to God. Everything we do, every thought that we have, every answer that we give, every question that we ask, every conversation that we engage, uh, everything at all, every reaction that comes from our heart is an expression of our relationship. And our worship to God. If I looked at from that side, the Christian life, if you will, is the exact opposite of what the Bible calls sin. Because sin is an expression that you don't take God serious. Worship is the Christian's testimony to God that you take him serious. This is... Our understanding that we recognize that this is the way that we can tell him through our words, through our actions that bag up our words, what is truly most important in our lives. Christian testimony is a testimony for life because it's directed toward God. So, having said that, it's, it's not exclusively, worship is not exclusively about coming to church. Although, it's always good to gather with God's people and to express our worship as part of our fellowship with God's people. But it goes beyond that. It's, it's a testimony to God about our relationship to him and and that he is the one who actually sets the agenda for our lives. So many other things want to set the agenda, worshiping God in all that we do, also outside our so-called worship services, gives that testimony to God. To meet in the church, however, don't, don't misunderstand that. It's an important part of that worship. Because this is where we come together to worship God publicly, where we stand with other people who are gathering with us as God's people, that we together as a people can give evidence to God that we take him to be our Lord and our Savior. We're not here primarily as individuals who gather in a room with many people. We're here as a part of God's people. There is a clear distinction between sitting in a church and lifting up your praise and your heart to God as part of God's people and then attending some other event where you just sit alone among many people. Are you understanding this? It's a vast difference here. And and, and that's why it's an important thing to kind of get to this. Let's look at this. What does it mean, really, to come together 
as God's people. To worship God as a people. Right here in this place where God has called us to be part of this. We're here because God desire to hear the collected testimony from his people about their love and their commitment to him. That's it. So if we want to live out in the fullness of, of the understanding of the Christian testimony as it's directed toward God, it requires both the personal, private, individual, at-home kind of worship and the collected worship that we participate in as God's people in this place. So what happens when we worship? And I'm sorry if I get a little bit theological on this here, but, but listen uh, to the importance of this. This is so significant that we get this. Does God need our personal or our communal worship? No. No, he does not. He's God. But he desires it. His being, listen up here, right? You may want to take a note on this. God's being is not going to be changed by our worship of him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing is going to change in who God is. Some of you are going to say, well, then are we worshiping him? Why are we praying to him? Well, I'm glad you asked. We do so. Because although God remains the same and nothing is changed in his very being, his response and his relationship to us and our relationship to him is impacted by our worship. I hope you see the difference. We worship God because we trust that he is a God who listens and a God who acts. Yes? Two of you agree. Right? We do. We, we worship God because he is a listening and an acting God. You know, one of the sovereign experiences that we have as people who meet God, the very God who is the father of Jesus Christ, is that he is a person. He is not a power. He is not the force. He is not a higher intelligence. He is a person. And please get this. We relate to him. That is why it's so important that we have a personal relationship to God. You can't have a personal relationship to power. In fact, you can't know power. All you can know about power is the effect it has. You flip a switch and the light comes on. That's the effect. You flip another switch and an engine starts. That's another effect. Yes? But a person, you relate to a person. That's why that Christian testimony is directed also toward God. Now, worship goes that way. And start thinking about it even more when you start thinking about it. When Paul says, bring yourselves as living sacrifices to God. 
You know, the frame of reference right there is in that setting where Paul is, where, where the Jewish priest will bring an animal sacrifice, an expression of repentance. Their heartfelt uh, sorrow that they have not taken God's guidance serious. But, Paul says, we bring ourselves. And there's a most beautiful, beautiful story in the Old Testament that kind of highlights the power of what that means. Although this here refers to, to the uh, sacrifice of animals, it applies directly when Paul speaks like, bring yourself as living sacrifices. He said, uh, from the blood of the ram, take some of his blood and put it on Aaron's right earlobe, on his son's right earlobes, on the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right feet and splatter the remaining blood on all sides of the altar. On the right earlobe as an expression, I want to hear God's word. On the right thumb as an expression to say, I want to do God's work on the right big toe as, as an expression to say, I want to walk in God's ways. All of us, give yourself, all of you, to God as living sacrifices. Christian testimony is directed toward God. You are bringing testimony to God about his importance in your life. But it's also directed toward the church. And when we look at, at scriptures and, and its relationship to the church, it has to do with service and edification. You know, the very notion that has developed in modern time that it's possible to call oneself a church member and, and not be active, not be engaged, not even participate in, in anything is so far from the New Testament, there's not even a word for it. There's not. Sorry. There's not. And so, think about it this way. The word Christian became a nickname that was given. You can read about it in chapter 11 of the book of Acts. It was given to those who gathered in the church in Antioch. They were Christ followers. They, they, they revealed their relationship to Christ because they were part of the church. There could be all kinds of folks walking the streets of Antioch at that time that in their heart of hearts were thinking maybe there's something to this Jesus some people are talking about. Maybe he is the son of God. They were not given the name Christians. The Christians, that name was given to those in the church who gathered there to express their commitment and allegiance to Christ. And so, think of it this way. The Christian testimony, a testimony for life is direct toward God, but it's also directed toward the church. And this talks to us, friends, about being a part about participation that Jesus planned his soul that those who carry his name get together participate with one another for the building up and he equips us with gifts that's the thing about spiritual gifts they're given for the building up of the church and it doesn't take much reflection on a verse like that 
When Paul says given for the common good, to think if I use a gift God has given me, but not for the common good. Or I don't use a gift at all that God has given me. That that is somewhat violating the very purpose of the gift. God has given it to us because the testimony that comes through that about his presence in our lives is also directed toward the church. Our Bible gives a fabulous example of this, since you all know about it. After Jesus rose from the dead, he met with his disciples. The resurrected Lord did, but there was one disciple that was absent. His name was Thomas. And Jesus met a couple of times and he was absent. So he missed out on the blessing and he had to live with his fear and with his doubt and with his disbelief. And then one day he showed up and what happened? He saw Jesus. Yes. You can say amen to that. I'm not trying to generate amen, but that's an amazing thing. When he showed up, that's when he saw Jesus and his life was utterly changed. There's something very powerful uh, when you look at this, right? In in chapter 14 of, of Corinthians, Paul is kind of trying to express the importance of this testimony that is directed toward the church. He's talking to you about the spirit of gifts when he says, chapter 14, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strength and encouragement and consolation. The person who speaks in another tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. With all of you who spoke in other tongues, but even more that you prophesy. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless uh, he interprets so that the church may be what? Build up. Notice the repetition of that. A couple of verses later on, he said, What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn or a teaching or a revelation or another tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done, what? For the building up of the church. We are called not only to receive blessings, friends, but to be a blessing. To others. Yes. That is the call. The gifts are given. To the individual. For the common. Good. That testimony. Is directed toward God. Toward the church. But also toward of course. The world. You are to be my witnesses. We read earlier. In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, until the end of the earth. I'm going to wrap this up, but I want you to listen here to see the power of here. The Christian testimony, a testimony for life that is given for the sake of life to many. And for the duration of life, even into eternal life. That testimony is also directed not just upward and inward, but outward to a world with a bold uh, witness to someone who do not know God. 
the, the, the Acts of the Apostles, if you will, we just call it the Acts, the book of Acts uh, for short, is written with that very purpose. When Luke wrote uh, Luke's gospel and then he wrote the, gospel, uh, the, the, the Acts of the Apostles, he did so to show that even after the resurrected Lord had been ascended, the testimony continued, the work of Christ continued to be a Christian witness is to be sent to town by no one less than Jesus Christ. It was Peter who said, already in chapter 3 of Acts, he said, what I have, I give to you. Friend, that's about as good a statement as you can have. That's all we have, always have, is what I have, I will give to you. A Christian is a person with a life-changing experience of the presence of God. It's a person with a message that because it's so life-transforming, so life-changing that it's worth dying for, it's also worth living for. And I know it's not always easy. I know that. All kinds of other things come in and some people find it really difficult to share and maybe because they feel like, well, I don't know how to answer that if they have all these questions. And so let me tell you a story. I was in seminary class and, and, um, and someone had read some commentary that said that the passing of the, the Sea of Reeds just couldn't happen, right? He, he had read some calculation that some German theologian had figured out, you know, if you line them up a thousand wide, you know, or two and a half feet apart or three, whatever it was, and they walk X amount of miles, uh, you know, an hour, then it would take whatever. And then my friend Philip Parks from Korea raised his hand and said, I don't understand your math, but I can tell you this. I live in Seoul, and there's a bridge that, that connects the two sides of the city. And every morning, millions upon millions upon millions of people cross over that bridge to that city to work. And then every evening, millions and millions, millions of people cross back to go back home. You hear this? A person with an experience is never at loss in front of someone who has nothing but an argument. You're never subjected to that. And that is exactly the essence of the Christian testimony. We speak because we have met the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people uh, have kind of gotten out of that habit. And please don't hear any of this as, as anything but encouragement. It's just reality of, of how we often get to live the very, various busy lives that we have. But there is a truth here that is connected deeply in the spiritual world. That once you separate the Christian testimony from the life, it has a way of also separating joy and excitement and victory from that same life. These things seem to be connected. When this testimony dies, so do the other thing. It's almost like trying to, to live without breathing or trying to quench your thirst without drinking anything. 
These things are connected. May I encourage you, all of us, myself included for that matter, to be vigilant as we understand that the testimony is directed toward God and the church, but also to this world. We know how needed it is. Testify. Man, that's the best way I can say it, I guess. Testify. Let people know about this Lord that has changed your life. You remember three things going home today. Look it up again and talk if you took some notes or if you listen again, whatever, as it's directed toward God, telling him of his importance for your life. It's directed toward the church, recognizing the gift that God has given is for the building up of all of us as his people in this world. And it's directed toward the world because they need the living Savior. Father, would you sweep us with your spirit at this moment? Would you walk up and down the aisles into every heart that is here, into every living room that may be listening, every cabin, every car, wherever this is listened to, at whatever time it's listened to. Father, not because of what I said, but because of your word and the truth that comes from that word to the reality of our lives. Make us walking testimonies for the sake of life and for the duration of life, even as that life continues into all eternity. I ask that there will be some here or other places whose life this moment may change. Do your work, Father. Inspire all of us as we gather in our homes and our Bible groups and and talk about how do you use us. In your name we pray. Blessed by the presence of your spirit. The grace of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.